Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Living on the B-Side podcast, where I have invited and chat to amazing humans about life, business, and anything else in between with a bit of a twist, and that twist is music. So this is always very interesting to see the perspective and answers of every person I have on for chats. Now, in this episode I have um, the wonderful Lisa Baker who I've known for about 18 months. We share the same community and yes we've seen each other grow and I just couldn't resist to ask her to come on because she does something really amazing and I'll get her to talk about that a little bit more but first of all hello Lisa how are you going thanks for coming on. Hi, Birgit. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm so excited. <laughs> yes, I am too. It's going to be really, really good, I think, because you've got some amazing stuff doing in your life that is actually evolved around music. So um, that will be really exciting. Uh, but first off, um, let me talk a little bit about who you are and what you do. And I do have some notes here. So if you see me look down, that's me trying to remember. <laughs> and then you can add on anything else that you believe is important at the end, just in case I might have missed something or twisted something a little bit in the wrong way. So you are the founder of the Elemental Dancer, and this is a global online space for Highland dancers and teachers to talk about, um, you know, your technique, the training, and anything else that there is involved in that particular dancing space. Um, and you've actually created a community called Highland, or you want to do Highland dancing differently together. And I love that. That sounds really amazing. Now, you obviously, and I did not know this. So when I read this, I'm like, oh, wow. You were a chemical engineer. I knew that because we talked about that in our community. And a 50-time state and national champion in Highland dancing. Why did you never mention that to me? <laughs> So, yes, that's Lisa. Um, anything I've missed, anything you want to highlight or just, you know, sort of maybe go a little bit deeper into, um, please feel free to share. Yeah. Oh, look, Birgit, I mean, well, yeah, yeah. thank you very much for, for what you were saying. Um, yeah, it's funny. It's funny to me to hear you say you didn't know that. Um, you know, I started Highland Dancing when I was five and I won my first state championship when I was nine and my whole life was, you know, going to school and practicing dancing to, you know, going to class and home at practice to go to competitions to, to, you know, to achieve and win things. Mm. Um, and, you know, school life and home life was very much, that was, what was me, you know, and I was driven to it and I loved doing it and I, you know, enjoyed competing and putting, you know, working hard and putting myself on the stage and kind of seeing what that was going to be and, and that kind of led me into, um, you know, I got to the end of year 12 and went to Melbourne, at the University of Melbourne to study chemical engineering. And I kind of kept my dancing all going at the same time. And, and I think, but, you know, getting into my, into my 20s, you know, there's a whole story probably there. But, um, you know, as I got to a, to a, towards the end of my 20s and into my 30s, you know, I'm now 41. And, and it's, there's this, been this real unravelling and of that narrative I had in my head about who I was and what I was doing and why I was doing it and what mm -hmm. it was for. Um, there's been a you know, real kind of 
like rewriting that story, I think, is the way to, to look at it and not judging it as good or bad or not regretting anything or anything like that, but just kind of reflecting there and what is it that I'm going to take out of those experiences going forward in my life. And um, so that to hear you say that you didn't know that I had won those dancing championships, it's funny to me and it makes me feel like I've really achieved that that adjustment in that narrative to a certain extent because in the big you know there are there are people I know that that's all they know of me you know they know that's what I did and and that can feel I mean that's lovely and it can be very humbling but it's also quite restrictive and and narrow in the perception that they have of me so I I love it that you Mm. didn't know that and that that hasn't defined me to you like super I love that (laughs) I mean I've always known you as like a highland dance enthusiast and and um what's the word I'm looking for a bit like a a sort of tradition breaker almost like you really want to shape things up a bit and that's always always been how I see you like you're just trying to push things a bit in a different direction but still loving the core of Highland dancing so and that's what I kind of love about seeing you grow and what you do so that's that's how I see you I've yeah, I knew you've done competitions and you've won a lot, but I've never knew it was 50s. I'm like, whoa, gee whiz, you know. <laughs> yeah, but even that, even that idea that I, I want to do it differently and shift it a little bit, you know, that, you know, I am such a black and white thinker and I'm such a conformist to to rules and respecter of rules and boundaries and things like that. And, and so... The Highland dancing space is very special and very, I feel very privileged to be in it, but you're right. There is that part of me that, that just simply wants it to be even better. And I can see, you know, I've experienced some of its limitations and I have some of its frustrations and some of the things that have felt, you know, smothering and made me feel small. I've experienced some of those Mm. and just want to be a part of, helping that not to be the same space for other people in the future. So, again, the bit you see is the bit of me that's channeling the, you know, how do we simply do this differently? Like it's not like it's bad or good or anyone's wrong or right or anything like that, but just how do we give everyone a voice and how do we give everyone an experience to be able to become their best in it versus Mm. the the narrow that sometimes feel quite restrictive to people by themselves. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, I love that. It's like inclusion, but in a different way, maybe. Mm. Excellent. So um, I just thought about Highland dancing and I'm actually wondering if some people have no idea what that is. And I only know it because I used to watch the Edinburgh Tattoo Festival and obviously the wonderful ladies most of the time but there might be some men as well do this fantastic dancing and I always wondered how on earth have they got stamina to do it so maybe you can just it really quickly say what is highland dancing actually because everyone knows hip-hop dancing and jazz jazz dancing and all that but what is highland dancing what what you know where does it come from quickly and, and what does it involve like so people have a bit of an idea what it is sure well the our I think our a common Highland dancing response is that we're, it's not Irish dancing. So it's not a dance or Michael Flatley or anything like that. So sometimes we have to dispel that we're different to Irish dancing. But the other part of it is too, the easy way to answer that is we spend a lot of time in kilts and, in, and with swords. So 
Highland dancing is the national dance form of Scotland. And so, um, you know, what a, an amazing population of people, you know, was it 5 million people or something like that live in Scotland and, and how much the Scottish heritage has stretched across continents all over the globe. And, you know, here I am in regional South Australia in Australia, and it was something that it's got strong roots in this area of Australia. And there's a few pockets around Australia where it's a very strong dance form that's that's done. So I saw it when I was five at the local show and just decided that's what I wanted to do. I had no Scottish heritage or anything like that. I just saw it and thought, yeah, I'm into that. Um, my parents were like, really? Like, really? You don't want to go to ballet or tennis or something? No, no, Highland dancing's it. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's the dance form of Scotland. So if you can imagine... No, I mean, as you say, Tattoo is a place where you see Highland dancing. Um, but, yeah, we, we compete. The, the, the dancers, many of the dancers came from, um, like, a, a war scenario. So our, our Highland fling we do was, you know, put the shield on the ground and dance in jubilation at the end of a battle on, on the shield. Well, that's where the Highland fling came from. And the sword dance is, um, is that they laid their blades at the start of a battle um, to dance over the swords and if they touched the blades it was a bad omen for for the battle ahead mm. so much of the dancing has has really historical value and and I mean and in those scenarios it you know for a long time was a male pastime so the perception you have around stamina and strength and things like that is very true because it's a you're basically jumping up and down on one foot for you know a minute and a half to two and a half minutes at a time um, with the idea of being, you know, the, the pillar stones of Highland dance, ease, grace, strength, endurance. And mm. so, you, you, you know, they're in the air looking graceful and, and powerful and strong. Wow. Wow, I've learned something. That's great. Thank you. Actually, yeah, I didn't know that it was like a, I wouldn't say a war dance, but sort of involved, you know. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Now, right, let's dive into, we've already covered obviously music involved in, you know, with Highland dancing and it's part of like a ritual. So music was obviously very important because it was like the beads that you dance to that then might lead into battle, things like that. For you personally, though, is that the music you listen to away from your Highland dancing or is there anything else you like listening to that kind of motivates you or inspires you or just keeps you going is a sort of one particular band genre whatever is there anything that comes to mind when I ask that question yeah the it's interesting I reflecting on that a little bit the I think when I when I was dancing a lot myself there's something I, I mean I have no Scottish heritage but to have grown up dancing to bagpipes and certainly as I um, got to higher levels of competition, but also I joined Oscott um, Australia, which is a performance Highland dancing group that travels all around the world from Australia. As I was exposed through Oscott Australia to, you know, some of the world's best pipe bands and some of the um, world's best, you know, military musicians and things like that, um, I... The, the feeling I get inside myself for the sounds of bagpipes and things. I mean, you know, I mean, for anyone who's watched the Edinburgh Military Tattoo, but if you've been there, when the mass bands play together, there's, you know, I don't know if I've ever met anyone who is a little bit 
affected and stirred inside by the sound of that. So um, certainly when I was dancing, um, I listened a lot to bagpipe music or, you know, things that kind of inspired movement in me. Um, but but as I've got older and, and, and I certainly listen to it now when I'm choreographing things for some of my dancers that I teach or um, things like that. But, yeah, Lisa herself, like me, myself, Probably I don't listen to a lot of that music casually now. Like it's more something that I do when I've got my dancing hat on. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm I'm more. Um, I mean, if you're talking to Lisa herself, I um, I was I'm a massive REM fan. I have to tell you, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and have been. I got I got introduced to REM when I was about. 16 I think so they'd already been around the place um, for a while but I kind of came in at that um, green album maybe you had been um, um, automatic for the people like I kind of came in at that point which when they were quite commercially big um, mm. but probably and, and not that the the commercial part of it wasn't the bit attracted me but I had a friend I made a friendship in, in year 11 that he was right into REM. So he kind of would make me mixtapes of REM songs and things. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then little by little, I just, it was just this real connection with that band and with Michael Stipe himself. And and I think that there, it's funny to me how, like, it's just carried on ever since, like what you can be into when you're 16 and suddenly it's that particular voice or, that you know, that particular song has a way of, you know, pulling you firstly back into that but also the way you reinterpret it as you get older. Mm. Yes, yes, yeah, I agree. It's funny how some artists stay with you and they keep sort of coming in and out of your life but they never leave you. So, yeah. yeah. And, yeah, R.E.M., I remember well when they became sort of really, like you said, commercialised almost. They were massive, weren't they? Yeah, and um, I think REM for me is one of those bands I never really got until I was like a certain age because they're probably so what's the word for it they really love their art and craft how they do it so I think it can be really hard to to get into at a certain age I mean the other band that I think about which I really love these days is Talking Heads way back I hated them I could not understand I just didn't get the music but now I'm like this is perfect so it's similar to REM for you probably like you know yeah and that's the thing it wasn't the commercialness of REM like I got probably almost rebelled against that like I think at the same time I remember being at high school and and everyone in my class was into Smashing Pumpkins and Nirvana and Pearl Jam and I almost refused to be into them because every, like it was like, I didn't mean to consciously rebel against what everyone else was liking, but I was like, I, I just, I didn't, yeah, I had this thing about not wanting to just like it because everyone else did like it. So at the time I got myself writing, I was writing to Harry Connick Jr. Like Harry Connick Jr. was advertised on TV here, like back when we had like two TV stations that we could watch and they were, they were advertising this Harry Connick Jr. album. I'm like, I want that. And I went through this whole suite of, I think I had about six Harry Connick Jr. albums that I just adored. And it was like my rebellion against Smashing Pumpkins and Nirvana and Pearl Jam. But in all of that, now I love them. And same with REM. Like when they were commercial, like I wasn't attracted to them when they were commercial, but through this friend that would send me these tapes, 
all of a sudden, I, you know, as I got older too, I could I could hear them and I could hear, and I, you know, didn't necessarily, yeah, I didn't necessarily know a lot about them at the time, like them personally as people, but but certainly heard them, what they were saying in their music and the way they went around about that. And and I had the opportunity in 2005 to see them live at Rod Laver Arena in Melbourne. And wow. it was the single most fantastic thing I have ever seen. Where I, I had tickets. We were probably, oh, maybe, let me, just let me imagine. We were probably... Oh, we were less than 15 metres from the front of the, from the stage and we're on the ground. Um, and I just, you know, like Michael Stipe j- just is and became that person in my life that, you know, when they say, when people say to you, um, you know, if you, had, if you could have a dinner party of eight people, who would you choose? You know, he was, he's on my list of eight people that I would choose to have a dinner, at a dinner party. And to be able to see him less than 15 metres away, clearly, um, and to be able to hear him live and the way he spoke and the way he behaved on the stage, like there was a point in the middle of, sorry, look, I'm fully recounting it now. There was a <laughs> the song Country Feedback at the end of it. There's quite a long instrumental period at the end of that song. And he just curled up like kind of half to the audience, half not, and just curled up against the microphone stand and just absorbed the music while they, the rest of the band and the guys assisting them were, were playing. And it was so powerful. Like it was just, and I looked at him and thought, how amazing was it for him to be in front of people like, like you know, there was 8,000 people there and to be in front, to be, to be the front man of a band that everyone was there for him to be so present in the music of what his band they were playing and and to be a passenger in that even though he was at the front like it was it was really remarkable to me like yeah it was it was a really it was I was a massive REM fan and I went there and it was better than I could have possibly dreamed for it to be it was really sensational like I'm so thankful I went that night it was really great wow it does sound like he had a massive massive impact on I don't know. I'm just sort of thinking how you kind of carry yourself. It was sort of, you know, with what you're doing in a way. Yeah. I feel like it's funny, isn't it? Because I, yeah. I, I would never say that. Like, would like, oh yes, my inspiration was Michael Stipe, and like that's that's not the way I would say it. But but you like, if I think about it on a on a on like deeper than that, mm. there's just something appealing to me the way. Like I, you know, and I've almost deliberately not wanted to know a lot about him. Like other than the 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 words he chooses and the way he chooses to interact in the world, I feel respectful of absorbing him the way he presents. Like I don't want to secretly know where he lives or secretly mm. know, you know, who his friends are. I don't want to know that. Like I feel like what he gives, what I get from him is what he gives to the world, which is you know. So basically just the artist and that's all and not sort of anything else, just what he creates and shows from yeah, that perspective. And I, think, and I think, as you say, I feel a similarity in that too. Like there's a certain amount of the way I've been in my life and what I'm doing now. There's a certain desire to pre- present what I can but but hold in private and have privacy around 
myself as well. You know, like I, I do, mm. I think I respect that in what the way he's interacted at the level that, I mean, you know, I mean, let's face it, he's a global rock star. I mean, that's that's the character, that's who he is. But, but that yeah, the human being behind that, I feel respectful of respecting the human being behind that too. Mm. And I suppose yeah. I'd like that in return, you know. I, I, I yeah. Do, yeah. And I, I really love that because a lot of the times people get too absorbed in it. And I think what many artists want to do is share that part of themselves, but the rest might not matter. So if you can just take that and it really helps and inspires you and it gives you something, then that's the core of it. We don't need to know anything else, really, no. do we? That's none of our business. So, you know, and that's what I find, yeah, you know, it's, the, the older I got, the more I realised that that's really the important bit. You know, I mean, I've had my phases where I was like boy band crazy and you had to know everything. And then when you get sort of in your 20s, you go, why am I even interested in that? That's not important. The music was and the good times I've had and the friendships I've made, but not what that person had for dinner, yeah, you know, yeah. things like that. So, yeah, I love that you, and you to were die- able to do that straight away because a lot of people can't. Yeah, and, it's fun, and I probably didn't even reflect that that's what I could I did before. Now we're having this conversation, but, <laughs> but yeah, and it's a bit like I'm going to digress. It's a bit like you know, is it Eleanor Ferrante, the the author who isn't? She's written all those beautiful books, but we, the public, don't know who the author is. And I really love that too. Like occasionally, I strike an article about her where someone's gone through some rubbish of some person and in their bin outside. Their house. This is who Eleanor Ferrante is, and and I just yeah, I, I realise that I like I just hate that need for people to put people in buckets. Like you, we have to know everything about them, and we have to decide whether we like them or don't like them, or we agree with them or we don't agree with them. Or yeah, I, I just I and I think I've always resist, and and maybe you know, wow, I'm getting deep on myself. Maybe going <laughs> back on that Lisa Barker, the dancing champion. It just, it's a bucket, like it was true, like it was something that I did and it was something that I, you know, passionately identified with, but it wasn't all me. You know, that wasn't everything about me wasn't known through that lens. Mm. And so I suppose I feel the way I exist in the world is to try and respect people and not feel I have to understand everything about them and I have to know everything about them and then I get to decide whether they're a good person or a bad person. Like I just don't subscribe to that at all. Mm. Yeah, I think we all could sort of do it a bit more of that, I I think. Yeah, well, it's it's just, yeah, it's it's probably, yeah. And again, I just feel that if if I can respect other people that way, then I would like to think that that, attracts that kind of appreciation back the other way and respect the other way absolutely wow rem what a band um i must admit i only know a few songs but the songs that i do know i do appreciate that now um listening back to them and i'm going right okay well i'm glad they they were there when i grew up because that was like part of the whole radio soundtrack and um that's the funny thing i remember um talking to Casey um, a couple of episodes back 
about how she did mixtapes in school and this and that, you know, taping from the radio. And I know I did that. I even requested songs on the radio and then you stood, oh, it's my name. I've got a tape. But is that something you did as well? Like back in the days, is that how you sort of created your own soundtrack to your teenage life or 20 year life? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, that, I mean, that was a, that was a massive part of, of like my high school life, really like the whole, I think there's there's something really lost in in that experience that teenagers don't get now. Like, I mean, you know, sitting at my desk, I remember being in year 11 or year 12 and, you know, having afternoons of homework to do. Like, you know, I remember going to dancing in the morning, having lunch and pretty much the rest of the day was homework. But I had this, you know, little stereo system off to the side and I had my, had the, you know, the record, the play and the record down and the pause button on and just vaguely, you know, doing my work on the radio and the moment something started that I liked just launching across and you know taking the pause button off and and catching it and then you know and then when the radio DJ or whoever would talk mid-song you'd be like oh you know I've got to rewind and fix that again and yeah like mm. a lot of time and effort was put for those tapes <laughs> absolutely yes um right the next well yeah our teenage years we probably could go on about that for god knows how long and what we did and what you know we think young people miss out on these days, which they probably would disagree with us anyway, but that's okay. We can't always agree on everything, but um, it's nice to reminisce sometimes. Now, from a sort of business and life perspective, is there any, apart from REM, is there anything you use to help you maybe get focused in or, you know, do you meditate? Do you use music to meditate? Is there anything that helps you? at certain times during your day when you know your work's happening or life's happening is there anything you sort of use to help you just make it better or more focus is, do you use music in that way yeah I, I i i i'm certainly um and i you know i'll thank you for re-inspiring this kind of thought in my head in this last couple of months but um I think, you know, after after that kind of high school, university kind of time and, you know, get out of your mid-20s and get on with life and and I think I moved away from regularly listening to music for any other reason than, you know, I had to do something. Like for dancing, I had to do something with it or, mm. or whatever. Or I was driving, so I had some music on then, but that was kind of it. But this last few months I've revisited the... I've revisited using music. Firstly... I find that period of the morning when you get up, but you've got some beds to make and you've got your shower to get done and you've got your, you know, your washing to put out and, you know, that kind of adult morning. Yep. That <laughs> many of us have. I find, <laughs> I find that quite frustrating. Like I just want to get on with the day and I, sometimes it feels like Groundhog Day, like, oh, no, here I am again in the shower doing the same thing that I do every day to try and get the day going. Um, and I found that I have been using music in that space again. And so while I'm in the shower, I just go and get my, you know, speaker and I get my phone and I've, I've uh, my husband and I are catching up on this year, like our, we don't watch very much TV, but our 
television catch up this year has to be watch as to been to watch the blacklist from the start right all the way through and <laughs> that's what so we just caught up with that this year right but the thing about the blacklist is the music like I love the music on the blacklist so I've gone looking for the album from the blacklist and also there's a playlist on you know on whatever streaming service I'm using but um and it's this it, someone's gone and found music that's been played in every episode of the blacklist for the last seven seasons and it is a sensational playlist of music so I put it on I use it as a bit of an intuition thing like I just put it on shuffle and sometimes I get these really dark and brooding sequences and sometimes I get these light-hearted happy sequences and I it's funny to me like how much I feel like it the, the playlist generation out of shuffle is like intuitive on how I'm feeling oh. um so that's that's been that's, interesting. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Um, that's been that's been fun. But also too, I suppose the other part of it is when I'm working now, I have gone and I've had some time because my daughter's six, and I've chosen um, this year to homeschool her. Um, mm-hmm. But as she's got older, you know, those those periods of time where I've got maybe an hour I can sit in front of the computer now uninterrupted. Or you know to get on with whatever work I'm doing or whatever, and I've kind of gone back into that high school headspace of just putting music on in the background something you know and having it fairly loud and enough to kind of block out other stuff that I might be doing and I find my concentration in that time is is great and it reminds me of you know it worked for me when I was 16 or 17 or 18 so why doesn't it work for me now and simply it does it does work for me now so there's been a lot more music in this house this last few months oh nice yeah I love to hear that I love that because yeah I think especially this year I think we can we can use any tool available to make us feel a bit better and more positive yeah. there's enough um not so nice stuff going on out there so absolutely I've done a lot more um I've, I've really settled into morning morning meditation and stuff like that too this this last probably four or five months and I'm finding that there's some music around that that I I don't play it necessarily while I'm meditating, but I, I play it afterwards. Sometimes oh. in that kind of shower morning prep kind of time, I just play that music and I find it quite, I find it quite settling. Um, or sometimes I play it in the background where when Isla and I are doing our homeschool time in the morning. And I find mm. with her, it, it having that background like we sacred earth is a is a the group that we're listening to at the moment but i just put that on in the background and i find it focuses us both a lot on what we're doing and she settles quicker and we we get down to business and what we're working on quite quickly together and yeah i've just yeah i've just been kind of playing with that a little bit as well awesome that's really cool that you actually meditate and then use the music for meditation sometimes (laughs) afterwards (laughs) i love that (laughs) well maybe some good ideas for anyone that's watching or listening to maybe try it out you never know it might work who yeah. knows or some feedback back to you to tell to tell me that helped me out with what I'm trying to do right well yeah it's funny enough though because I just sort of had a bit of a chuckle to myself because when I interviewed um Nash Mackey my first ever interview he actually did say that sometimes he, because he's a coach and he says to his clients that sometimes they should meditate in silence to really hear what 
your mind and body has to say and not be distracted by music. So I thought when you said, oh, yeah, you know, I use it afterwards, I'm going, oh, wow, I can start to see something happening here. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that's really interesting. Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. And, Birgit, I found I think the, the meditation space for me has um, – I, I have really fought that like my brain sometimes it's like it feels like a firework like I feel like I'm sneaking up on controlling my mind and it just bursts off to something else and and I felt that for a long time I felt really angry about that and frustrated and you know maybe I can't meditate and what's wrong with me and why is that the case or I'm uncomfortable my back's up and all that kind of comes to me and just this last few months I've been able to access some kindness in myself in that and also just I've, um, someone said to me a couple of months ago that, you know, that is the practice to, 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 to notice that and just be kind with it and let that go and come back. And I find if I, I think if, if I reflect, I think if I use music in that space, it's just, I feel like I'm just distracting my mind versus actually accepting what it's trying to do and just accepting how I feel like I'm finding that piece on acceptance is really working for me. So yeah, maybe mm. in all of that then is why I then don't use the music till later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, I kind of get that. Um, I do like a bit of background music to meditate sometimes, but I also notice that to be able to literally let go of anything that comes, music can be a bit of a magnet. So to be able to just let things go and just meditate, yeah, sometimes silence really is the better way to go, I think. So agree with you on that one. Yeah, definitely. Now, I love that chat. I think it was really different. Um, some really good thoughts on how to look at other people and how to use music, like, you know, with your kids and in your business and maybe go back to your teenage time and see what worked then and see if that still works now, no matter how old we are. Which kind of brings me to sort of one of the last questions I always ask anyone that comes on. And I know sometimes it's a bit tricky to answer, but I'll, you know, we'll see where we go. If you would have to describe your business and what you do with one song, which one would that be and why? And I know that might be a bit of a struggle. Oh, that's a, yeah, yeah. Oh, easy. You don't know. <laughs> Let me just. <laughs> Here's one I prepared earlier. No, not really. The, the probably, and something we, I mean, there's, now, lots of things we haven't talked about, but the, the, the other voice that I connected with in my, like, late teens was that of Jewel. I don't know whether you remember Jewel. The, she, she was young, and I think she's from Alaska or something like that, and she was, like, I think she was, like, 16 or 17 when she first released this song. Um, the song, I don't think you were meant for me or something, I think it was called, and I remember kind of being taken like she she'd written the song and she sang it herself and she was she had this unique quality about what she was doing at the time and kind of hit that her first album was quite commercial and um you know had commercial success whatever and then she kind of you know there's a bit more stuff and then she's kind of gone off into the background a bit more but but I I've for a long time always kept like I kept coming back to that first album and then the second album. And I think I ended up with the first three albums before I, you know, kind of moved away from her a little bit. But there's a song on there on one of her albums. I, I can't remember if it was the second album or the third album, honestly. 
um, but it was it's called Life Uncommon. And I remember just liking the song when I was younger. But when I revisit Jewel, and I do at times, you know, there's a few a few artists that I've got, you know, multiple albums of on my phone or, you know, on my iPad or whatever, um, and she's one of them. But that song, as I've got older and as I've known a little bit more and maybe maybe a little bit more about her in anything that she shared and stuff, the 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 message in that song about I don't know, I think that it, it made me it makes me feel, and that's why in current tense, it makes me feel okay about wanting a life uncommon. You know, not not and not to say that anyone else's life isn't right or is right or not, or and it, there's no judgment in that, but feeling like being uncommon or unusual is okay. And to actually pursue that versus feeling apologetic for it or feeling like you've got to learn to fit it in with a common life and then you can have a fun, like to actually pursue a life uncommon, I think. I, I just love that. I love, you know, and, and she sings about no, you know, there's a line in the song where she says, no longer something, I may be phrasing her, like paraphrasing her incorrectly, but she's something like, no longer lend your strength to that which we wish to be free from. Mm. And I've found that very, like at, at the time when I learned it as a younger, I mean, it, you know, it was just words, but, but as I've got older, the more I realise that I don't have to give my strength to that, that I wish to be free from. I mean, exactly what, like what she says. And that's a choice I can make that I'm not a victim in just the ball rolling down a hill that I can't do anything about it. I can actually choose that. And, you know, and, and I found that very powerful in my own self as well as what I'm trying to do in my workspace. Wow. That's <laughs> that's awesome. I've actually had a look at the lyrics before we came on just to make sure that, you know, I've got it in my head. And and I must admit, I've never heard that song before. And I just, I listened to it and I thought, wow, how fitting. You know, it's not judgmental. It's just saying, go your own way, go in your own lane. And it's not wrong. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I love it. I love that song choice. Really yeah. good. Thanks and for love- actually bringing that song into my world because I had no idea it existed. So, <laughs> no, I, and I, I just love it that uh, that it, you know I had and I, I I feel joyful about it because I had a intuitive connection with it when I was about eighteen or nineteen like that you know that's that you know I knew of it from then, but just to kind of circle back on it now I've got older and just you know to have some intuition around how I've wanted to become in my life more and to have that song re reiterate that for me and kind of underline it and remind me that I actually knew back, back then what I need to know now it's just been there waiting for me all that time it's it's cool that's actually kind of amazing that a person you, that doesn't know you and you kind of don't know them and they've written that song and that's been there when you were like what 18 19 or something along those lines and now it's back there I find that almost mind-blowing that one person writes that and then it means so much to someone else 
and it just fits for their life as well yeah. that for me is something sometimes it's so hard to comprehend it's like like yeah. the universe you can just tell we all are connected somehow you know yeah. and that, that's sometimes it's just like so mind-blowing yeah and and the connection to really land 22 years later like that's the bit too like it's got yeah. that doctor who leaving clues for yourself in time space continuum about it doesn't it like it's just yeah. I know that's that's what I find so mind-blowing is like you know like it was just waiting to come out again of that cd cover when you are ready at that exact moment you open it up and there it is and you just go oh my god yeah unbelievable well thank you so much Lisa I think we could have probably talked on for another two hours or so about all this but um I think we'll we'll sort of close off shortly um, is there anything else that comes to mind? But I think, you yeah. know, ending it with Jules' song and that message, I think that's a really, really great ending to our chat. Yeah. And, Birgit, I, I just want to say to you, this, this is a special space. Like, you, you should, like, be very proud of what you're doing here already, but, but be really brave with what you're doing because it's, I think you know it. I think you know there's, a, there's something special here, but I, absolutely there is. Um, oh, and I just, <laughs> for the opportunity and thank you for the opportunity to talk with you but yeah like I, I'd love I would love I love watching fly with you because it's lovely oh thank you so much oh <laughs> thank you you make me blush <laughs> well um we'll leave it at this before I get too red um so thanks so much for coming on, Lisa. I really enjoyed it. For anyone watching and listening, thanks for watching this. We're going to obviously put Lisa's details um, somewhere on our YouTube channel. And otherwise, you know, you can find Lisa. Just Google the Elemental Dancer and all her contact details will come up. Um, and that's it. Thanks so much for tuning in, for watching, for listening. And there will be another episode of the Living on the B-Side podcast coming to you very soon. For now, thanks so much. Um, and as I always say, rock on, everybody. Until next time, thanks so much. Bye. Oh, God, I'm doing the wrong thing here. Stop recording.